You're listening to the Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. The inside word on all things travel. Buckle up as we explore New Zealand, take you abroad, dive into virtual travel, and inspire your bucket list with spectacular tips and tricks. We've got the world covered. Tune in on Apple's podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. And subscribe so you never miss an episode. Be sure to like and share our podcast so everyone can enjoy the inside word on all things travel. And now, here's your host from Christchurch, New Zealand, Mike Yardley and Chris Lynch. Welcome aboard to another exciting episode of Kiwi Tripsters. I'm Chris Lynch. G'day, Mike. Hi, Chris. Yes, Mike Yardley with you, and very good to have you aboard for another episode. Now, shortly, we are going to showcase a great Kiwi destination, Chris's trip to the Mackenzie. But first, as winter is biting, one of the most popular South Pacific holiday destinations, the Cook Islands, which is COVID-free. You're not wrong there, and a lot of us are just waiting for this Trans-Pacific bubble to open, not just the Trans-Tasman bubble. Mm. So let's breeze our way through the beauty and visit the delights of Rarotonga because it is absolutely beautiful. And it's one of those places when you look on the internet and you see beauty, it is exactly that when you land. It certainly is. Yeah, what's on the tin turns out to be what really is the case uh, in reality. Chris, I know you've been there, and I reckon it is the ultimate destination um, of the definition paradise made easy, particularly from a Kiwi perspective because they deal in New Zealand dollars because, you know, they're part of the realm. Yeah, it's, um, yeah you don't have to think. No, you don't have to think. It is such an effortless easy to get around place. Um, you were there, what, a couple of years ago? What did you think of it? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I stayed in what you could, I suppose you could sort of call a fale, one step up above from that. Lovely. I mean, the beach I was staying at was not the most swimmable beach, but you know what? You hire a scooter and further on down the road is a beautiful snorkeling kind of lagoon, if you like, owned by a couple of Kiwis. And it's the sort of place where you can get around in a scooter. Um, you can do the whole island in a scooter, on a scooter, in 30 minutes. Mm. But you don't actually feel like you're turning a corner or going around. It's 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 cool. It's lovely. And the people are friendly. It's a great place to go to. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. And there's no language barriers. Even the dogs on the loose, which is a common sight in the Pacific Islands, the dogs on the loose in the Cook Islands are friendly. You won't get rabies off them. They won't terrorise you. Um, I just think it is, yeah, such a chill out hassle-free place and you pay for what you get as well there's lots of different types of accommodation from your budget to your high end you will pay for what you get and they are realistic too so if you're online and you see a specific place you like uh you know you're going to get that they're very honest as well very honest that is true i'm a sucker for a good sunset Mm. and the area around ararangi denotes the sunset coast of Rarotonga. It's not the main tourism hangout, which is Murray Beach, further down on the south coast. But um, I really like Ararangi because they've got a lot of really authentic boutique accommodation options and the best spot for those sunsets. Um, And similarly, because there's so much tourist and hospitality <clears throat> located at Murray. you're only 15 minutes away from Ararangi to Murray. and frankly, during the peak visitor season, as we used to know it before COVID, um, if you're after peace and solitude, being 15 minutes away from Murray can actually be a very good thing. Lots of restaurants as well to choose from for any budget. What did you like? 
Well, I really want to give a special mention to Antipodes, which is just north of Ararangi, sort of on the way to the airport from Ararangi, and it's perched on um, quite a high cliff top, wrapped in rainforest with the most sublime ocean views. The setting is so dramatic. When you first walk into this restaurant, Antipodes, you would think you've been transported to the Amalfi Coast of Italy. It is just so stupendously Mediterranean in terms of those high cliffs, those ocean views, and in fact the restaurant itself is housed in a grand Mediterranean style villa. You are so high up, I felt like I had been transported to the Amalfi Coast. And um, (laughs) the only difference, I suppose, is you've got, you know, Polynesian culture all around you. But yeah, it's been totally refreshed in the last year or so, and um, it's Kiwis who actually operate it. Um, But if you like your Italian-style shared ball and platters, that sort of thing. Yeah, you'll absolutely love antipodes. When it comes to the cocktails in the evening, for mm. me, I just went to the two local um, pubs. Um, they were good enough for me, but there are some, if you want to go high-end, once again, it's all there for you. Yeah, very much um, it tailors to, you know, what your budget is. But um, if you want to do a bit of cocktail hopping, I did this last time I was in Rarotonga a year or so ago. You can actually um, do sort of like a hop-on, hop-off excursion around uh, various beachfront hot spots. And it is fabulous fun. You will go on a Vespa. It's sort of like a four-person Vespa. Um, and they'll and they'll take you to a lot of discreetly tucked away night spots around Rarotonga. I called into a shipwreck hut for a pina colada. It has previously been voted one of the best beach bars in the world by CNN. And um, the, the bar staff there alone sealed the deal. They're just so larger than life. Another really good haunt is on the beach bar at Manua Beach Resort. Um and I also really liked Wilson's Beach Bar, which is part of Castaway Villas. And they've got like bonfires on the beach. Mm. You can sip on sundowners and nibble on your yakitori skewers. I ordered up the most amazing cocktail, Chris, called Blow Me Up. Um, a most extravagant cocktail comprising a variety of hard spirits, liqueurs, hazelnut and chocolate sauce. It sort of like doubled it as a dessert along with a cocktail. It was a meal. It was a feast. It was fabulous. I'm hungry now. Mm-hmm. Um, now, to get across to the bars, you don't necessarily have to stumble your way. There's no. always different options there. Not a taxi as such, but something kind of similar. Yeah. Um, the Vespa I was talking about, it's actually run by a company called Tick E-Tours, and they have like a tuk-tuk um, which is actually a really stylish um, Vespa. And this enterprising tour company run by Kiwis, Carl and Tanya, they also offer a variety of guided sightseeing experiences uh, on their fleet of these electric tuk-tuk Vespas. Fabulous fun. They've also got e-bikes for hire. And, of course, Raro is ideal for e-bikes. Yeah. yeah. Try to e-bike once. Felt guilty to be on one because you feel like you're cheating, but they're great fun. And you're right, e-bikes will be at the perfect. When you throw Um, them into turbo mode, oh, my goodness, that is amazing, particularly if you're going uphill or if you've got a headwind, you throw the e-bike into turbo mode and, oh, it's like suddenly you've grown wings. Then again, just buy a scooter, for goodness sake. (laughs) What's hot in the lagoon? Um... 
Well, Ariki Adventures, they operate the Turtle Sea Scooter Safari, and this is such an amazing way to embrace the grace of hawksbill and green turtles that permeate the waters of the Cook Islands. These sea scooters are surprisingly weightless in the water, so you sort of hold on to hold on to them and they will propel you through the water and deeper down um, with your snorkeling gear on so you can float alongside the turtles. And the group that I was with, we scooted into a 30-metre trench. It was like a coral canyon, absolutely a buzz with turtles. At the end of the lagoon trench, as it nears the ocean, we spotted eagle rays cruising deep below us. So yeah, the marine life around Rarotonga is just beautiful and bountiful with all of those technicolored tropical fish in the lagoon. Um, and Ariki Holidays, who operate these uh, turtle sea scooter safaris here, they are an ingeniously family-owned business um, and it's a great adventure pursuit in Murray's Lagoon. Now, what about mixing with the locals? What's a good pastime? Well, if you want to replicate one of the great Rarotongan family pastimes, head to Wigmore's Waterfall, which is also known as Papua Waterfall. It only flows after you've had like some really heavy downpours in Rarotonga, but it's got this lovely natural pool at uh, the base of the waterfall that you can have a splash in. There are a lot of mozzies, so be sure to pack your mozzie spray because they are voracious. After taking in the waterfalls, head to Wigmore's Superstore for an ice cream. And for generations in Rarotonga, the waterfalls and the ice cream combo has been Rarotonga's number one post-church Sunday afternoon family outing. Well, a pocket of the world you could never get tired of is the majestic Mackenzie District. Just two and a half hours' drive from Christchurch. Chris is fresh back from the region. He's actually got a skip of snow on his trousers, I've noticed. Well, it was actually beautiful weather, to be honest. Oh, was it? <laughs> beautiful blue sky, crystal clear oh. waters. It was just divine. And I was lucky enough to go when... It was just before Queen's birthday weekend, so it was really, really quiet. Mm-hmm. And when you go to – anybody listening to this podcast would know, if you go to um, to Lake Tekapo during a public holiday, yeah. there are so many people. Yes. Uh, it's overrun with human beings, but I was lucky enough to go when there was hardly anybody there. A magical experience. Yeah. It would be quite novel. Absolutely. It where, was. Where did you stay in Tekapo? I stayed at a beautiful B&B called Ranganui B&B. It's pretty luxurious, I must say. It's got panoramic views of the lake and the majestic uh, southern Alps. And in the morning when I'd wake up, you'd open the doors and you'd see the lovely uh, fog that would just go over the um, lake. It was just truly beautiful. I love that. Yeah. It was really, really nice. The hosts were fantastic, Anne-Marie and Sabe. Uh, they make you feel so welcome. And the house that I was staying, it's it's pretty newly built. You know, a lot of Airbnbs, you sort of often think of villas. This was quite a flash, fancy, newly built home. And depending on your mood there, you can have as much privacy or as little as you like because the hosts are just fantastic. And what I love about the, the hosts is they really appreciate their surroundings as well. They, they keep telling you how appreciative they are to have built that place. And it actually makes you want to enjoy it even more, if that's even possible. I had a decent-sized lounge and the dining area for the guests to enjoy the views and a, a beautiful toasty gas fire. Um, and, of course, with Lake Tekapo, it's a UNESCO 
dark sky reserve. Mm. Um, so, of course, all the residents, surrounding residents, have to have their lights as specific um, wattage, if you like, and yep. a, a specific kind of… It's highly um, regulated, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, highly regulated, but mm. for all the right reasons, because you just have to, t- t- you know, look up and you see the most amazing, stunning views mm. of the southern skies. But my friend and I, we decided to go down to the, the church to get a, a good view of the lights, mm-hmm. the stars, rather, and we felt a bit silly because when we got back to the Airbnb, you just have to look up and there's the beautiful stars. <laughs> we didn't need to actually go in the cold, uh, you know, couple of blocks away to the church. But I think with Lake Tekapo, it's the sort of place you can go for a weekend or even longer. Yeah. Uh, the internet reception slightly dodgy, so you're forced to get off the internet and just blim and well enjoy the surroundings. Very restorative. Oh, look, it was. It was, and I felt like I was in my own little wee well-being bubble. Um, bubble. No, it was after the bubble. <laughs> but what I did notice, which was really humbling to see, when my friend and I were passing back through Lake Tikabay after being elsewhere, on the Sunday of Queen's birthday weekend, the town was humming. Right. It was doing a roaring trade, and it was nice to see. And, of course, just all Kiwis. But, you know, we we bypassed that because we just did it in the weekday where there was nobody around. Now, from Tikapo, uh, you cruised around to Lake Pukaki, uh, and you took a million photos there, which I have been admiring, I have to say. Was the weather behaving oh, at Pukaki? Well, as you can see from the photos, blue sky, crystal clear days. We did get lucky. We did get lucky, and I've got to say, if it was overcast, probably wouldn't be as nice. Mm. Let's be honest. But... It was just fantastic, and then you know, we only we stopped off the the beaten track, if you like, several times, take some photos of Mount Cook that we could see in the background, and us along with a few others would would stop and say hello to other people who you know were stopping off as well, and they said they had to cancel their overseas trip. Some were off to Europe, some were supposed to go to Bali, but they thought, well, we st- we can't go there now. We'll do a South Island trip, and a lot of them were actually returning from the likes of Queenstown or Mount Cook and returning back home to Christchurch and said they just felt really lucky and they actually felt a little bit ignorant of just how beautiful the South Island really is. I mean, we stayed at uh, the... Um, Lakeside Lodge, was it? And we did it later on, but we stayed at the Araki Court Motel. Yeah. And it doesn't sound fancy, does it? But it was fancy. Mm-hmm. You wake up and you look at beautiful views. This is now in Mount Cook Village. Yeah. Beautiful views of Mount Sefton. Um it's just truly spectacular. You wake up and think, this is New Zealand. And you, can, you can't you can help but feel relaxed. You can't help but feel relaxed. So Lakeside Lodge, because I remember I was really struck by your photos of yeah. that lodge, to the point that I'm actually going to go there next week. I was so impressed. Whereabouts is that? That is a beautiful uh, – la- uh, this is the Lakestone Lodge. Lakestone, that, yes. Yeah, Lakestone Lodge. It's on the hillside just above the shores of Lake Pekaki. It's pretty discreetly positioned just off uh, eight, uh, Highway 8 between, I suppose, Queenstown and Christchurch. And, um, you know, it's probably what you could describe as the ideal base to explore the likes of the National Park and around Mount Cook and, and uh, Lake Aho Valley as well. Mm-hmm. Um, look, the lodge is pretty easily accessible by car, but uh, if you want to be fancy about it, um, you can do it by helicopter if you like. There's the helicopters that uh, are around there. And once again, this is also one of the country's only international dark sky reserves as well. So on the clear night, you can just uh, sit in your hot tub yeah. in the in the beautiful bathroom and you've got a private courtyard. You can look above and you can see the, the beautiful um, lights. That's actually a very good point to make. I think a lot of people perhaps misconstrue that it's only Tekapur that is the Dark Sky Reserve, but it's that whole Mackenzie district right through to Twizel. It is. And the hosts, once again, Mike and Anna, 
lovely, extremely welcoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're keen for you to make it your home, but they also give you the privacy that you're after when you're on holiday. And I think they've got about six contemporary rooms, all very homely, yep. no TV, but you don't need the TV because you look out there and you see the beautiful Southern Alps. Yeah. Um, that they're usually cushioning with clouds yeah, and then another layer of the lake mm-hmm. and then the layer of the grass you see outside with the tussocks. It's just, oh, my goodness. Elemental. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. And I miss it. Thinking about it now, I thought, wow, yeah. imagine just living there. We will put Chris's photos up on uh, our Kiwi Tripsters mm-hmm. Facebook page because they are so amazing. At the head of Pukaki, uh, you've obviously got that slithering tongue of Tasman Glacier dipping into the waters, into Tasman Lake, which feeds into Pukaki. Did you head up onto the glacier? We did. Uh, we went to the Mount Cook Village and we got a good deal with one of the um, tourist operators there. And can I just say, by the way, he was telling us he's lost about 99% of his business. Wow. We did the flights about 150 which mm-hmm. is you know incredibly cheap. One fifty for a half hour ride on a helicopter, landing uh, on the base of the Tasman Glacier. Usually yeah. it's about four or five hundred bucks. So I would recommend people keep an eye out on their Facebook page because all these local tourist operators realise they have to change their market in the meantime, and they'd rather have customers than not. Yep. And so what they're doing at the moment, if they can fill the helicopter, um, you may and maybe there's a seat there, you may get it cheaper. If they can't fill the helicopter, it's you and your partner, it may be more expensive. But keep an eye out on all the local Mount Cook operators because they've got fabulous deals. And let's be honest, when the borders reopen, they won't always be 150. Exactly. It's yeah. just incredible. I could Seize talk, this opportunity. Yeah, oh yeah it's, it's amazing. It's quite a novel, unusual, probably ever to be repeated opportunity, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Yeah, take advantage, folks. Really take advantage. Very quickly, I think you went trekking, you stretched your legs, went on a hike. Where was that? That was at the well. We went to the summit of uh, Lake Aho Valley. Uh, I'm well. I can't lie. Uh, we took a car, uh, a four wheel drive. Actually, to get up there, <laughs> you just have to ask the locals, and they do. They, they'll let you go up there for free. Um, by the way, and then we uh, had a lovely picnic. By the way, that was all beautifully handcrafted. I got goods. the impression you were like a mountain goat no, all don't day. Be, don't be silly. Struggling the old oh, pine. Oh no, don't be silly. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, but we'll put the notes as to who you can contact to to get access because it's a private road. Yes, we will. Then three and a half hour um, walk down. Once again, beautiful views. Views that you don't get unless you're only in the Mackenzie country. So you did do a three and a half hour walk. Yeah, we walked down. That's very impressive. Thank you very much. Okay. And I was a man of the earth. Yes. I was drinking the water from the lake that you oh. could do. But in the process, I lost my very expensive BP sunglasses <laughs> in the lake. You polluted the lake. I polluted the lake with my BP <laughs> Worse plastic than a sunglasses. Camper. I'm very sorry about that. But as, <laughs> as I was kneeling down, they fell off in the, in, into the <laughs> lake. Never and to be seen again. Never to be seen again. It was a, a terrible moment, but they were only cheap. So there we go. Well, if you buy some Mount Cook salmon that yes. look a bit unusual, they might be wearing plastic sunglasses. Oh, no, nah, I should yeah. have said that. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, sounds fantastic. So, yeah, it we was. will put Chris's tips up on our show notes. And if you want to check out the images uh, of some of those lodges and experiences, uh, they'll be on the Kiwi Tripsters Facebook page. Let's travel further afield. We're off to Budapest next. You're with Kiwi Tripsters, and we turn our attention to the international travel outlook with one of the leading operators in the travel trade. With us from World Journeys is Director Chris Lyons. Chris, thank you very much for joining us. 
Mike, it's my pleasure to be here. Chris, for those unfamiliar with World Journeys, which I know is a privately owned New Zealand business, um, give us a bit of a thumbnail sketch of who you are, what you do. Well, uh, my business partners and I have been in the industry for 30 plus years. Uh, We all worked together in another organisation and then around about 14 years ago, we decided to start uh, World Journeys Up. We could see a an opening in the market here, so we're we're a company with twenty two dedicated travel professionals. Uh, we specialise in Africa, Latin America, the Indian subcontinent, Canada and Alaska, Indochina, Central Asia, and the Middle East. Uh, we do some Europe as well, uh, but we're not Australia. We're not the USA, uh, apart from Alaska. You like it exotic, obviously. Uh, love it exotic, and uh, <laughs> one of one of the uh, one of the reasons that we have done so well as a company is that we have experts in those destination areas here. So uh, when when a travel agent calls us up or a member of the public, they can talk to someone that really knows the destination. Fantastic. And as someone like yourself, Chris, who is no stranger to the travel business, its highs and lows, uh, yeah. how uncharted has this whole COVID crisis been to try and navigate from a trade perspective and client care perspective? Yeah, Mike, it's, uh, there's no question that COVID-19 hit the travel industry like a thunderbolt. Uh, we were, to a degree, the canary in the coal mine. We could feel the effects of COVID-19 coming, I would say, four to six weeks before the general public uh, realised just what an impact it was going to have on everyone's lives. Uh, fortunately, World Journeys had a disaster plan uh, in place for many years for just this sort of uh, situation. So we implemented it really early on. Uh, and having that plan in place helped us enormously because we, we had a structure. We had uh, uh, an organization that could move very quickly. And I was looking at some other companies that were running around a little like headless chooks. And uh, delighted that uh, that we had that plan in place. Um, look, it's not been e- it hasn't been an easy time, especially in the early days when things were changing so fast. It it proved a real challenge to keep on top of all the changes with borders closing, airlines pulling out, um, and also uh, the conditions, the deferment or cancellation conditions being imposed by airlines also changed a lot, um, almost every day. So it was very challenging for the industry uh, early on. But things have settled down now. We continue to work on deferred bookings and they're starting to get some uh, green shoots of recovery with people starting to make inquiries for next year. Fantastic. I was wondering about that. So you are seeing that upswing in, in interest ahead to 2021? It's slow, but uh, Kiwis are inveterate travellers and um, – it's, you know, that they, they are, we've, we have um, travel agents calling us or clients calling, just itching to get away. Uh, when can we leave? Um, but it's going to take, you know, in my mind, a, a vaccine for COVID-19 or at least some good medication is going to be the deal breaker because until people feel that they can travel, and New Zealand, of course, has been so successful in eliminating it that we are in a, a very safe, secure little bubble here. But 
I'm I'm very much in the camp that by the end of this year there will be a vaccine. And in terms of the dynamics of the whole travel industry, obviously, you know, for a seasoned pro like yourself, you've seen the rise and rise of all of these aggregators, shall we say, um, in the last uh, last decade or so. I just wonder if COVID is going to create a really big inflection point in terms of how a lot of people are going to travel in the future and perhaps they'd placed a huge amount of faith, trust, maybe misplaced in aggregators and do-it-yourself bookings, all care, no responsibility, and are now going to think twice about where is the backup, where is that client care if everything goes pear-shaped while I'm away? Look, Mike, there's never been uh, a more important time for people to work with a travel agent. If you had booked your airline flights online or your, uh, your hotels through one of the hotel booking companies, that so prominently advertise on the television, you could be sitting waiting for days to talk to somebody to try and get some resolution. The travel agent uh, took over that um, issue on behalf of the clients, and we we have received it's 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 amazing uh, how many messages of support and thanks and gratitude that we've received from our travel agent colleagues uh, and also members of the public because we came to their aid and sorted them out. It's, you know, I think this more than anything else is going to see um, people who think carefully about uh, what their plans are, they should really consider going through a travel agent in the future for just this sort of situation. And it's not just this. You get things like volcanic eruptions in Bali. You'll get a strike in Europe. Um, Same deal applies. If you've booked, you know, online with uh, not via a travel agent, then you're on your own, and good luck trying to sort it out. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, what what are you hearing about travel insurance going forward? Uh, do you think the insurers are going to only reinstate cover when there is a vaccine or a medication? What are you hearing? Well, the insurance companies have done what insurance companies do best and run for cover. Um, (laughs) They, um, you know, they implemented uh, in the very fine print after, I think it was a swine flu in about 10 years ago, they implemented a little clause in their uh, policies saying that pandemics would not be covered. Uh, And this has caused, you know, this has caused an enormous amount of grief uh, and unhappiness amongst the travelling public. Uh, I believe that they're probably, uh, yeah, that's going to remain an exclusion. If you do have travel insurance and you travel overseas now and you become ill with COVID-19, you are covered, um, mm. certainly by most companies uh, that I'm aware of. But yeah. they, will, they will not cover you if you book something and lose your deposit or cancellation fees as a result of, of a pandemic like COVID-19. Sure. In the meantime, Chris, of course, we can certainly keep dreaming about our future adventures. And what has always struck me about um, dealing and experiencing the World Journeys product is how highly personalised your journeys are. You know, it's just so beautifully curated. Um, Is that your big calling card? Is that your point of difference? It it really is, Mike. Um, And again, as the move away from mass tourism, people going on a busload of 40 people, uh, is becoming, it's becoming more apparent that people are looking for 
the the privately guided, privately curated, tailor made programs where you have total flexibility. If you're if you're out touring for the day and you're feeling a little tired, you can just come back early. You're not at the behest of of a, a coach driver and forty other passengers. So uh, it is definitely the the way forward, and uh, it's it's one of our strongest selling points. Where that we do almost all of our programs are privately tailor made. And indeed, it's it's can be very surprising. People will pay little more than going on a group tour uh, to have mm-hmm. all the flexibility and the comfort of a private guide, particularly if there's two people or more traveling as a little uh, party together. Absolutely. Yeah. My last World Journeys experience was uh, to South Africa late last year, and I suppose South Africa itself was a reminder of how mercurial anything travel can be because, as you'll know, Chris, they had uh, recently relaxed those pesky visa restrictions for New Zealand. Uh, So we were seeing this rebound in activity for South Africa, uh, and then along came COVID. But, I mean, some of those safari experiences I... Uh, savoured in South Africa through you guys and then down to the Cape Winelands. It was just extraordinary. But, I mean, there's so much of Africa that, you know, for myself, I'm yet to explore. And I know that World Journeys has incredible offerings. Obviously, Kenya's very popular, Tanzania. Yeah, they are. I mean, it is a life-changing experience to to sit uh, in an open vehicle with three million animals uh, migrating past you just a most <laughs> wonderful experience, but there's a lot more to Africa. You, you know, you have North Africa and the the Egyptian side of things. I took yeah. a group, a small group, last year to Ethiopia, and mm-hmm. I'm, I've I've been to 180 odd countries. It was one of the most amazing, wonderful experiences I've ever had in my life. Uh, wow! The, Why so? The, uh, it, it's an incredible melting pot uh, of religions. There are 110 million people live in Ethiopia, 65 million of them are, are Coptic Christians. Uh, and the the uh, spirit of the people, uh, the they have a different alphabet. Um, their, their time of day is different. You know, we I arrived last year and uh, on the window in the airport as we arrived was Happy New Year 2012. Because they were on the they're on the Julian calendar, uh, so there's seven <laughs> years and eight months or something behind us. So yeah. just and that just typifies everything about the country. It was it it was the most extraordinary experience. You have the the uh, the people in the highlands because a lot of Ethiopia is quite high in the uh, um, the wildlife you get in the highlands, and then you go down to the very rich cultural. Uh, uh, lowlands area down towards the Kenyan border. It was the group that I took just were, were uh, in the same mind as me. They they all said they'd never been anywhere quite so extraordinary. So Ethiopia, fantastic. West Africa, Ghana, uh, English speaking, um, a, a fascinating, fascinating country with uh, with all its um, slave history and the the slave forts on the coast. Um, magnificent markets. It's yeah, Africa's Africa's you know Africa's a multi uh, visit destination. You just can't do it all in one uh, in one bang. And yeah. we we often find that when people go to Africa, they will go back to Africa three or four more times because they get bitten by the African bug. 
I think it sounds like you've been bitten by it already. I certainly have, yeah. And I suppose uh, similar to Africa, South America has just so much extraordinary variety as well. And sure you know, through world journeys, I've I've dabbled in Argentina and Peru. Um, but man alive, there is so much to see. I know you've got an abiding love affair with all things uh, South American. Where else would you suggest people um, look to to fire up their wanderlust, Chris? Well, I I think my favourite country in South America. Uh, is Ecuador. Now, Ecuador is is a country almost identical in size to New Zealand. And like New Zealand, it's got all sorts of different um, diversity and landscapes and climates. You have the incredible Amazon jungle uh, with everything. You're in Amazonia, a 30-minute flight out of the capital, Quito, uh, with all that wonderful wildlife and butterflies and birds. You then go to the, the highlands uh, and the first ever world UNESCO heritage listed city was Quito, the capital of Ecuador. And the old town in Quito is a historical gem, absolutely historical gem. You then go down to the tropical Pacific coast and uh, a 90-minute flight flight off uh, the mainland, you have the Galapagos Islands. So in one country, you can have the Amazon and the Galapagos that are both wildlife lovers' dreams uh, and both completely different to each other. Um, and you've got the rich Indian cultural uh, heritage in the mountains uh, along the Andes. So Fantastic destination. Sounds like a great mix, absolutely. People should be making their plans 2021 with worldjourneys.co.nz. <laughs> they, um, well, Chris, they should. Like, I, I, the, the one thing I'd like to say is that yes, because a lot of people have deferred from this year, because a lot of the destinations we deal with, particularly in Africa or some areas in South America, have quite small uh, lodges and things, people need to start thinking about travelling now. And next year... Uh, a lot of the suppliers that we deal with have modified their booking conditions so that people can deposit. And if, in the dreadful thought that COVID-19 may still be continuing, uh, they can't travel, then there's flexibility to cancel. Uh, uh, every, you know, the, the travel industry is having to be very mobile and flexible to get through this uh, terrible time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm sure we'll come out the other side, and I'm sure that that spirit of travel will remain alive and well. In fact, I think there's going to be a lot of pent-up demand. So oh, there's no question much, about it. You know, uh, yeah, a lot of places may be very spookily quiet now, but bang, I think it's going to be all go next year. So uh, Absolutely. Chris, the, I'm totally with you, Mike. Yeah. Well, all the very best to you and your team. I know uh, these are certainly uh, extraordinary times, but great to talk to you, Chris, and uh, you've certainly re-fortified my wanderlust, so uh, uh, let's get to it. But all the very best to you. Pleasure, Mike. Thanks very much. You're listening to Kiwi Tripsters. Gee, Chris Lyons, what an interesting, interesting man. Absolutely, a real seasoned pro in travel. Now, uh, we will be joined by some more leaders from the travel trade uh, in the coming episodes of Kiwi Tripsters. Awesome stuff. Speaking of global travel, let's indulge in what Mike's favourite things are to do, the bucket list planning at the destination this time, Budapest. Um, what do you reckon? What are some of the biggest mistakes that people make when they head there? 
Well, I think a very common complaint is I wish I had more time. I yeah. think people probably underestimate just how much there is to do and see in Budapest. It is absolutely packed with temptations. Most of visitors only book a couple of nights in the city, and most people from New Zealand and Australia find themselves in Budapest to join a river cruise off the Danube, yeah. you know, through to Vienna and so forth. But you really do want to give the city um, a few extra nights than just one or two um, if you want to soak up all of her top drawers. And accommodation is still remarkably cheap by European standards, so it will be a great value destination in 2021. I've got a friend who lives there, by the way, and she posts images of um, her going to work every morning. She works for the Red Cross, and it's like looking at something from a tourism Mm. magazine. It just Mm -hmm. looks beautiful, very orange colours, very rich. It just looks beautiful. Um, And look, what is interesting, and we think our rebuild's taking a long time, um, they're still essentially a rebuild city, aren't they? They continue to rebuild from the walls. Absolutely. Uh, 75 years on, reviving Budapest's full glory post-World War II is a constant labour of love. And they do have a very blood-stained history. You can literally place your fingers in the bullet holes of a lot of buildings. They um, finished a 10-year-long restoration of St. Matthias Church a few years ago, and it's an absolute gem. It was built 900 years ago, converted into a mosque by the Ottomans before reverting to its Catholic roots. Something really trendy uh, happening not just in Budapest but everywhere, pop-up bars and derelict buildings. So in Budapest, where there are buildings that are awaiting restoration, they've just been filled with pop-up bars. In in, uh, Hungary, they call them Ruin bars, which I like. Ruin bars. One I went to is called Tarqueria, which was formerly the provisioning depot for Hungarian railways. So not a pretty place, but it's a great spot to uh, down the local drop of Palinka, which is Hungary's much-loved plum brandy. Now we're talking. Uh, the central market looks phenomenal. It is Definitely one of Europe's best, I reckon, Chris. It's a wrought iron colossus the size of four rugby fields, so mega, mega market. Uh, The merchants sell everything imaginable and more. (laughs) Make a beeline for the food stalls upstairs and stake out um, some of the authentic peasant dishes like goulash soup and langos, which is a fried flatbread, which I really enjoyed. Um, Grab a high stool and enjoy a spicy sausage and a beer for about two New Zealand dollars. Cheap as That is pretty good. Any other tasty hospo spots there? Well, they've got this striking new futuristic shopping complex uh, in Budapest called Belna, and it's shaped like a whale. Matt Damon actually walks through it in the Martian movie, and Belna is home to a stack of superb craft beer bars, Very big and hungry, the whole craft beer scene. And there's no avoiding the Budapest love affair with cakes and pastries. And if you um, are into that sort of thing, a grand old institution is the Gerbaud Pastry Shop Mm. on Vodasmati Square. It's been going strong for about 200 years. So for a dose of decadence, that is a must-do. Where was your favourite place to go? Well, I think if you want that sort of panoramic pinch yourself spot to take photos and soak up the Budapest vibe. Right on top of Castle District 
is Fisherman's Bastion, and it's this medieval lookout with seven turrets in honour of the seven original Hungarian tribes. You can jump on a funicular mm. to reach the hilltop, and yeah, the city's icons are laid out before you. And if you go for a soak in the Galut hot baths, Take a walk up Galut Hill. It's named in honour of the city's patron saint, Bishop Galut, who was placed in a spiky barrel and rolled off the hillside, plummeting to his death during a pagan revolt. Very dramatic story. And the hilltop spot where it all happened also happens to be perhaps the best lookout over the entire city. Now, I know you like your museums, and Mm. you went to something that I guess you could say was a powerful visit. Yeah. There are a lot of museums in Budapest to choose from, about 90, but the most sobering, absolutely, is the House of Terror, which was the Nazi torture chamber, and then under the communists, it became headquarters for the fearsome secret police. Really powerful place to visit, so much history. Quite, feels quite spooky, quite haunted. And I really like the Rubik's Cube exhibition. Mr. Rubik um, is one of Budapest's most uh, famous sons, and they host the annual Rubik's Cube World Champs, which I think <laughs> were deferred in 2020, uh, so hopefully they'll be back on next year. The current world record, by the way, to crack Rubik's Cube, 5.2 seconds. Really? Isn't that amazing? I don't Boom. Think, for me, it'll be seconds. about 5.2 months. <laughs> but anyway, um, is it an easy city to get around? Yeah, it is. Fabulous public transport. And um, the only thing about Budapest, if you are flying, is that it is not a major airport hub. So from New Zealand, mm. you would probably look to fly into the likes of Vienna, uh, and that's just a three-hour train ride away. Um And um, as I mentioned before, it is a major hub for Danube river cruises. But if you're looking at doing a river cruise next year, uh, and Budapest is the start or end point, as I say, add on a few extra nights because the city will reward you handsomely. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. After looking at my friend's page, you can only think it's the sort of place you need a few days to really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us on Kiwi Tripsters. Keep up to date with all the information on our Facebook page or kiwitripsters.co.nz. Be sure to to like us or subscribe to your podcast of choice. Mm-hmm. Plenty of choices there, Chris. We yeah. will be back uh, in a couple of weeks' time for a fresh episode. Take care. See you soon. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Safe travels.